I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today... Today, we have two really awesome humans coming on the show. Tamal and Victoria Dodge are old friends of mine from way back. Way back, way back, way back, way back in my Los Angeles days. And I don't want to give too much away, but Victoria was the first person who introduced me to doing... Herpes. Jesus Christ, Kate Fagan. <laughs> this is what the show's going to be like, which is why we're going to keep the opener really short. No, but they have an awesome book coming out called The Yoga Plate, out September 24th. That helps if you have herpes. Are you pissed? <laughs> no. Why would I be pissed about you saying herpes randomly? In the middle of a pitch for The Yoga Plate. Yeah. Do you think they're going to be pissed? I think they're going to be really thrilled about how we're presenting their book. Okay. And, but the conversation's amazing. We touch on Ben Kingsley... Gandhi, those two are intertwined, mind That's you. A little bit of reincarnation, but really we do focus on their book and the kind of recipes and what they mean when they say the yoga lifestyle beyond just what a physical yoga practice looks like. And I, I love them because they have a spin on the, the vegan lifestyle, which is kind of a word that I don't even like using at times. Lifestyle? Because it's, oh my God, you are, you're on it. Some people hate today. the word lifestyle. Yeah. No, true. Like it's, it's like the gay lifestyle, the vegan lifestyle. It's like this all this word that anyway, I can see you giving me the sharp eyes. Sharp eyes. So, <laughs> you should listen to the interview. Um yeah, do we want to talk about anything else or should we just I thought you had a thing. Um, you said before you had a thing cuz I have a thing. Why don't you do your thing? Okay. So, big news. My repertoire of things I like to talk about has been expanded. Has it not been expanded? It, it, it has been expanded. Okay. So for longtime listeners, longtime listeners of free cookies, you'll know that I basically talk about oat milk, Peloton, sometimes reincarnation, but now there's a fourth. And that fourth is, my wife knows it because I quizzed her on it yesterday and she didn't pass that quiz, which set her up to succeed on this quiz on the air. What's number four? Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yep. You guys, the more we can talk about Fleabag the better, in my opinion. And it's, I'm doing a service here in letting people know that if they haven't seen season two of Fleabag, they got to get on that train and watch it. But go ahead. Why? What is Fleabag, Kate Fagan? It's a show on Amazon, and it really blends humor and tragedy in a way I've never seen before. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you just get serious for a second? Yeah, it's true. So yeah. this is a non-sponsored shout-out for the show Fleabag, who needs no help. Which needs no help because it has 11 Emmy nominations. Yeah. So, D.B. Waller-Bridge, in case you're listening to us. I love you. I do. I think You that can thank amazing. us for everything because of this. Now we should bring them on unless you have a, se- a special little thing that you wanted to do. Definitely don't. Okay. <laughs> let's bring them on. Tamal Dodge was born and raised in his family's yoga ashram in Hawaii, and he's been teaching and practicing yoga since childhood. He is a third-generation vegan, so he has never eaten meat. He is also the founder of Yoga Salt, one of the most popular yoga centers in Los Angeles. Victoria Dodge is a professional photographer who has worked with Lululemon, Forbes Magazine, as well as podcaster Rich Roll. She is also the founder of the Yoga Plate blog, which has featured interviews with best-selling authors, and you can find more of that work at theyogaplate.com. And their book is The Yoga Plate, Bring Your Practice into the Kitchen with 108 Simple and Nourishing Vegan Recipes. And they're Maui'd. Maui'd! 
we are joined today with Victoria and Small Dodge, and they are here in our home on our sofa with us. And I'm really excited because Ashi Budig, aka as our listeners know her, Ashi the asshole, um, it's true. has <laughs> She's an asshole. been real excited about Victoria being here. I think she was eyeballing, she was sizing up Victoria's arm a minute ago, thinking like, I'm sexy, you're sexy. Let's hump um, it out. So just, we just wanted we, to set the what scene for like what's going on. And also before we jump into the conversation, <laughs> do you guys swear? Yes. Yes. Okay. I never swear. Clean eating, dirty mouths. I do okay. Swear. And, and, and listeners will understand why I asked that at the outset when we get into the conversation about like the yogic lifestyle. But before the before we sat down, I was like, oh man, I wonder if that ex, like you're just worried because she doesn't drink coffee. There's no coffee. There's right. no coffee being consumed. And I was like, man, there might not be any swear words that should be said either. But I swear more than he does. Okay. Really? I'm not saying that we're just like, it's going to be laced with profanity. I just want to be respectful of the guests that are in our home. We can say fuck, fuck shit, whatever you All want right, to say. All right, there it is. Okay, good. good. Hallelujah. <laughs> so anyway. Um, Got that so, out of the way. <laughs> Tamal and Victoria are actually two of my older friends who I've not seen in forever. And I told them when they walked through our door that they're vampires, which they were not sure how to take that. But legitimately, they have not aged a day. They're two of the more, not that this matters at all, but two of the more beautiful humans I've ever met. Um, Both maybe, inside and out. Maybe it's okay. the cookbook. Maybe it's the yeah. food. I'm going to start eating their food. But... <laughs> Um, we know each other from our Los Angeles days, and some of my fondest memories are going over to your home, and we used to make enchiladas together. We'd yes. make these veggie enchiladas, and then Victoria would teach me how to make all these delicious raw goodies, like raw cheesecake and granola. And actually, Victoria, I don't know if you know this or not, the first cleanse that I ever went on was with you. The Candida it, cleanse? The Candida cleanse. <laughs> and this was right after I moved to LA, and I was officially an Angelino because I was drinking the... C- a col- silver. Col- collodial silver? Collodial. <laughs> Colloquial. Yeah. And this crazy little cleanse, and I it's remember having cleanse. raging headaches, and you're like, it's normal, it's fine. <laughs> um, so that was really my first introduction to the whole like LA cleanse, healthy eating scene. But more importantly, I just have incredibly fond memories of being at your table. Oh, so it's here. funny that you guys are here promoting a cookbook because I, I don't know. I actually have very few people in my life that I credit for my love of food, and you two are definitely very high oh, on yeah, that we list. We go way back with food. <laughs> yeah, we really sure. do. I still have a cookbook, like a handwritten one, with Catherine Budig's enchiladas, <laughs> Catherine Budig's <laughs> butternut squash. Um, I think you did like a butternut squash with... What was was it the lasagna? I do butternut squash mac and but cheese. But it was stuffed. It was, it was a stuffed, stuffed butternut one. squash. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes that was something so that I learned I how to do in college. I would love to have that recipe because I don't remember how to make it. <laughs> okay, so I know the yoga plate, that is the book that these two wrote vegan. Yes. And we, we gave our listeners like the bio and the download of you guys. But we often like to start podcasts just to get a little background on each of you so that our listeners know even that human side as well. So can you guys just share a little bit about where you, know, where you grew up and what inspired the philosophy with which you guys now live? And your partnership origin story. Yes, yes, really yes. Like that part. we got to get that out on the table. It's juicy. Well, <laughs> shit. Let's get into <laughs> it. Motherfuckers. <laughs> um... Well, we both came into kind of this whole plant-based thing in different uh, facets. Um, my wife, Victoria, she was born and raised in Wisconsin on a meat, cheese, beer, and Packers diet. The American yes. diet. Cheese curds? 
Oh, yeah. Big time. So the only thing that has lasted is the Packers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, old Packers. Has it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. oh, hell yeah. Okay. Love the Packers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, as far as my upbringing, I was born and raised in a family that was very yoga-centered, so I actually never ate meat, fish, or eggs from birth. People think of me as like an alien. They're like, how are you still standing? So you're like a gold star vegan, pretty much. Yeah, I guess if you want to say like, oh, he's the gold standard. Yeah. Yes, but... um. You know, I don't even think about it. When people bring it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that's not, you know, usual or it's not the norm. But um, when it came to introducing other people into eating plant-based food, it's kind of a passion for me because it was such a strong upbringing and such a big cultural thing. But more than just cultural, it was um, uh, experiential, uh, spiritual practice for my family. And so when I met Victoria, we were, um, we'll, we, we'll backtrack. We met on a photo yeah. shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Tamal had long curly hair. Oh, I remember the long hair. <laughs> like almost to your belly button. And for our listeners, yeah. it is now short. Closely cropped. cropped. Yes. Yes, closely cropped. It um, was aging me, so I had to cut it to keep <laughs> oh myself my young. Right. Yeah. That's how that works. <laughs> he had his guitar on the photo shoot. <gasps> was it a guitar? Ukulele. It was a guitar then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Was it a guitar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he would sit under the tree while I was shooting. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You did. <laughs> what was the photo shoot for? It was for Energy Muse. Um, oh, this like kind of like yoga, yoga jewelry. jewelry line. Yeah. Okay. And so, it so it was all the right vibe. Him being there with yeah. the car oh, yeah. under the tree. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It was like Yoga Fabio days. Like <laughs> okay. Full on. <laughs> so we met that day, but then we didn't run into each other. Well, I made him come back. It was a two-day shoot, and they hired all yoga teachers as the models. Sean Corn was on that shoot too. Yeah. Oh yeah. The OG. But the OG. They, uh, Sean Korn. You can listen to Sean Korn's episode the OG in, in our archives. Yeah. <laughs> Most yoga teachers are super uncomfortable in front of the camera when you have to come into their Tight, face. Right. Yeah. If they're doing a yoga pose, they're fine. But he loves to be in front of the camera. Not so, anymore. But so yeah. what do you mean? Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, what happened? That's not the thing that goes away. Yeah, he okay. <laughs> so we met that day, but then we ran into each other, what, a few months later at yoga class and then we just started going to yoga and having tea and then were there sparks immediately i need to know all this kind of information yeah i think so yeah. i mean we well i came to take a yoga class at a studio that's not there anymore it was called maha yoga in I los angeles and i had never taken a class there and um i was like gosh everyone tells me i got to keep going to this studio so let me check it out and i went in there and you know, everyone's wearing designer jeans and <laughs> Rolexes. And, Do something against designer jeans? No, not, okay. but in a yoga class. <laughs> no, okay. legit, was, like, checking their phone during yeah. class. Okay, got it's, it. Got it, was it. Like, it's it's probably it isn't the designer like, jeans, it's the location in which they're being It's worn. setting the mood yeah. for oh, what yeah. this right. energy designer is Designer jeans like, are yeah. great. Just <laughs> exactly. in a yoga class, I'm like, ah, hey, you're not really going to get stretched very far in those tight <laughs> jeans. Um, but, true religion. True religion, tight jeans, Rolexes. It felt like kind of setting up to do yoga in a forest fire. But um, <laughs> I'm sitting there, and then Victoria rolls her mat out next to me. And I'm like, hey, you're the photographer. She's like, hey, you're the model. And then we're talking and chatting, and then somebody from the lobby came out and was like, oh, by the way, um, Tom Morley's not going to be able to teach today. He's stuck in traffic. We're going to have to cancel the class. And then Victoria's like, hey, Tamal's a yoga teacher. <gasps> he could teach, so I taught the class. Yeah. You volunteered him as tribute. I volunteered him. <laughs> Should have known that it was well, going to be a theme badass, in our relationship. Actually. Just volunteer him. <laughs> and Victoria was like, look at him just 
getting off of the hair. yoga Go mat with his long hair and teaching class. Yeah. Like a badass motherfucker <laughs> shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, I taught the class, and I ended up getting hired there and taught there for a blink. And then um, we just started going to yoga classes all over town. Um, yours was one of them. I don't think I knew yeah. you taught at Maha. Yeah, I don't know if that's I did. Really, yeah, I was going to say, that's blank. interesting trivia. Yeah, yeah, it is trivia. He was doing too well. Like, like, anyway. So when you two, <laughs> it sounds like when you two met, of course, you were a gold star vegan. Yeah. Never tasted an egg or meat. But you, at that time, were eating meat and dairy products. Yes. So how did that, how did that mesh work? Like, what was the transition like for well, your... Well, as we kind of got into things... I kind of, we kept going to Real Food Daily. That was a hint. She's like, why can't we ever well, eat like, anywhere why else? Why are we eating it's at Real Food Daily? It's a very famous plant-based time. restaurant in Santa Monica. It was like the only one at the it time. It was the only one. Like, true. There that was, is true. There was nothing There's else. no true food kitchen. No. no yet. Or, okay. No. And so we kept eating there, and I was like, are we going to eat anywhere else <laughs> ever? <laughs> and, um, and I don't know. At some point I asked the question of, you know, do I need to be a vegetarian? Like, do I, can I still eat my sushi? And he was like, no, it's kind of, it was like a deal breaker. And I was like, oh. Wow. I know, heavy, right? But he's like, so it was a deal breaker in terms of even if she went out with friends separately from you and ate the sushi. Oh, yeah. He's like, don't bring that energy back to my house. Would you like sniff her breath when she'd come back from hanging out with friends and be like... Some She's like such a terrible liar. I've probably I'm seen a guilt liar. in her face no, already. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And she'd be like, I eat fish. I know. <laughs> so, but it was important to you that your partner. Super important. It was very. Also. Yeah. So, Had you ever dated someone who was not vegetarian? No. Mm. So I had a trip planned to go see my parents down in Key West. And one of the things my dad and I always did, because my mom hates fish, we would go out and get grouper together. And so we went out. Um, and this is right after this conversation and I ordered grouper and it was off like bad off like you know bad fish is bad and then I was like okay that was weird and then I went out again one more time with him to lunch and ordered the same thing and it was off again and I was like okay I get it so I came back and I was like all right I'm gonna give this a try and basically he taught me like <clears throat> how to cook everything that we ate in a vegetarian form. And so I learned how to cook. When I was reading through the yoga plate, this is a, one of the first questions that popped into my mind was how, Tamal, you were raised in this environment to do no harm, yoga-centric, no eggs, no dairy, no meat. I'm getting to my point here. And... It's curious to me how within growing up within a family, your parents can raise you in a way where you aren't inspired to rebel. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time, I guess the lessons were, were you know, taught is like, if your parents tell you not to do something to an extreme, your curiosity to do something is peaked. It's like mm-hmm. sometimes they're like, just take the cigarette so that you can try it so you can make your own decisions. Right. How did they raise you in a way where you weren't inspired to rebel? Yeah, well, the, I think that's a really great question. Um, I'm going to backtrack a couple things. I never eat meat, fish, or eggs, but my family grew up eating a standard yoga diet, which still incorporates ghee, which is a dairy product. Um, for those of you who don't know what ghee are, some people are like, what the heck's ghee? Clarified yeah. butter. <laughs> it's clarified butter. Um, and my family was very healthy spiritually, but they ate very, um, 
junk food, vegetarian type food growing up. Mm. And uh, Catherine just pulled out a book um, by one of our family's closest friends. Her name was Kathy Oshijo, and she had the first vegetarian cooking show from 1979 to 1991 on PBS. Wrote all these amazing cookbooks, but she was already eating a whole food plant-based diet way back when in the 70s. Talk about ahead of the curve. <laughs> um, and so I was always inspired by how healthy her and her family were. And so I started to adopt that style of living more in my teen years. But how did my family um, prevent me from rebelling? It wasn't that my father was a person who pushed ideas or concepts on me. I was never like, you're going to be vegan beaten with this or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, even with spiritual philosophy, he was so along the lines of, hey, you know what? You need to go find out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you, do this because I do this. Eat this way because I eat this way. You need to go find out for yourself if this is the right way to do it. Become uh, a problem solver. Go out there, read, educate yourself, and see what happens from there. You know, it's one of those things where he supplied me with so much information as a child that um, it became something that I started having personal experiences with and having appreciation for even at an early age. It's this thing that, you know, I find even in the yoga world where we have, you know, yoga is predominantly thought of as asana and pranayama, which is physical stuff. But the majority is all about spiritual ideas if we really get into it. Um, And so much of that is just carefully edited out and not really incorporated or talked about. But this is a point that I bring up to people all the time. When it comes to like certain physical asanas or postures, so much of it is up for um, specific um, methods of teaching and conveying it as the only way to do it. For instance, if I'm doing a plank to chaturanga, I'm not going to have my elbows flared out, my hands turned in, and every yoga teacher is going to universally agree and say, you know what, Tamal, this is the way to do it. You, you have to have your elbows in, you got to have your shoulders lifted, you can't do this form, can't do that, and certain things when you get into different yoga postures, every yoga teacher is going to say, yes, this is the right way to do it, and if you do it this other way, it's going to cause some kind of physical harm. But then I always go, well, look at all these spiritual concepts that are out there, like ahimsa, you know, satya, truthfulness, all this stuff. How come we can say, okay, only the asana and pranayama, this is the gold standard of what we want to hold here. We can only teach it like this, no interpretation, or you're going to get physically injured, but all the other stuff we can interpret as much as we want, and it's not going to cause anything. Hmm. When in yoga they teach you, you know what, you really should just hold it to its true value, and if you deviate from it, it's going to cause some kind of subtle or spiritual injury to you. Um, So... Not all my siblings stayed the path that I'm on right now. And, you know, I've watched them eat a standard American diet. And, you know, their health isn't great right now for many of them. Um, Now they're getting back on the whole food plant-based diet train. But um, I feel thankful enough that in my own life that I felt I was never forced upon in anything in yoga, that I still kept this um, value and this uh, specific uh, fond memory of how everything was presented to me that... I don't want to push it on my own son or my own daughter um, so that they can find out for themselves. And when they do that, I feel like they're going to come around to the right idea. And, you know, I don't feel there's a need to deviate if you already have these profound experiences as a child. And your son, Kanai, is nine? Ten. Ten. Wow, that's crazy. So, and Kanai has, this is the same, same, correct? 
Mm-hmm. But he's also a gold, gold star, star vegan. Yep. So <laughs> do you guys don't do you, uh, just quickly? I know that we're like deep in like good yoga talk, but there's this thing called like a gold star lesbian, which means you've never slept with a man. And so I apply that in You're lots of different contexts. <laughs> and, and just so you understand what we're saying to you. Right. Oh, and that's like a weird. thing in the gay, you know, the gay world. You're like, oh, oh, she's a gold star. And that's like a level of purity. So that's, that's what I'm, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I've never right slept now. with an egg before. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You're not gold standard, you're gold star. Gold star. Gold star vegan. Okay. Um, Carry on with our very deep conversation. As I now talk about your 10 year old. Um, so, but the, I'm, I'm so curious about that because we want to start a family soon and we've been talking a lot about how, what are we going to feed our child and how are we going to raise them? Because we are, we're eating full vegetarian and honestly vegan-ish. We're not fully there, but it's, whatever we cook at the house now is vegan. And then when we go out, as you well yeah. know, it's yeah. much harder to eat vegan, but vegetarian is totally doable. So we, we bend the rules a little bit yeah. for the Wake vegan-ish. up the next day with a cheese fog. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but damn, it's good at the time. <laughs> um, and talk to me in 10 years. Who knows? I'll be like levitating on a cheeseless cloud. But I'm a I, raw food cheeseless cloud. <laughs> it's raw. It'll all be the gas emanating from me. Um, so uh, my question is, and, and maybe it's just personally for us too, is I'm so impressed with your upbringing and what Kate was just asking you about. But do you feel with Kanai that as you both raised him, did you just try to emulate what you experienced as a child or what kind of rules did you learn that didn't quite work for you growing up in Victoria, especially with your background that you were not gold star and that's okay. It's okay that you're not a gold <laughs> star, it's, by it's the way. Okay. We just want to let you know that's all right. I am now turned into a gold star. No, and, and I can't, it's, it's not oh, possible. Sorry. No, okay. you're, you're, you're like a silver, silver. You're you're a silver star. <laughs> After 10 years, you're a silver star and then you can be... I'm silver then. Silver right. speckled with gold. Yes, okay. Um, I'm definitely and then, silver. And then I know I'm asking a lot of questions at once. My other thing is just because it seems like in the parenting world, people have so many opinions. Like, do you get a lot of shit? For did you get shit for raising your son vegan? Because I feel like parents are like, oh my god, he's not going to get enough protein. Not really. No, I just tell people I'm a black belt in jujitsu, and that shuts them up. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) come at me. (laughs) You just lift your knee into your chest, and you're like, what do you know? Victoria, just to like solidify the question, were there conversations about how you would raise? your son. Well, not really, because I took on the exact, you know. lifestyle the yeah. yoga lifestyle that he introduced me to yeah so no I feel as strongly as he does um so can I we just teach him about ahimsa and which is one of Pontanjali's eight sutras the first one right I don't yes. do the teacher training <laughs> <laughs> um wait can you just define that word the for yoga me? P- yes Patanjali? ahimsa uh, uh, ahimsa yes. oh, ahimsa, ahimsa. ahimsa. Yeah. ahimsa means non, non-harming, but in its purest form, it means that you're trying to create the least amount of harm as possible. Because you live in a world where you're going to create harm no matter what. I mean, if we think about it, if you walk across a grassy field, you're stepping on ants. If you ever look at your skin under a microscope and you rub your arm, you're like wiping out a colony. So taking a shower is just a genocide on your body. <laughs> so you So you don't shower then. I haven't showered my whole life. Okay. That's the other thing. Gold star. Gold star bacteria collector. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
That's why everybody thinks I'm homeless. <laughs> With the long That's hair. That's why you cut the hair, right? It keeps yeah. me young, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it means creating the least amount of harm as possible because it's absolutely impossible not to create some kind of harm. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to... Uh, eating a plant-based diet and why it's so associated with food, even in East Indian culture, still to this day, predominantly everybody in India still eats a plant-based diet, a vegetarian one. They still eat ghee and things like that. But it's associated with ahimsa or creating the least amount of harm as possible um, because most of us don't go around just like, you know, beating other people up, humans, or stabbing them and doing some crazy thing. Most of us are like, well, I don't create a lot of harm. So they ask you to go further and associate it to, well, what am I putting in my body? Mm -hmm. And it comes down to, okay, well, is plant-based food creating more harm or less harm than eating a meat-based diet? And, you know, we can go over statistics all day long, but, you know, if we talk about one pound of beef is takes 20 pounds of grain to make one pound of beef because the animal needs to eat the food and metabolize it to create its own body mass. So, yeah, you know, the equation seems a bit skewed. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars and I only want a dollar back. Right. <laughs> um, and it takes 2,500 gallons of water to create one pound of beef. And a cow needs to be a thousand pounds in order to be turned into food. Yeah. So if you times a thousand pounds by 2,500 gallons of water, that's 2,500,000 gallons of water. And Newsweek did this whole article that that's enough water to float an entire Navy destroyer ship with its airplanes, crew, and everything on it wow. for one cow. Um, so I don't know how many guys ever watched this incredible YouTube video of how wolves were taken out of Yellowstone National Park and what yeah, happened. Yeah, we were, we were talking we about it. Yeah, it like messed up the whole... Abby oh, Wambach in her it, book uses the anecdote, and then they put him. You know, they took, anyway, uh, you, you can share it with everybody. Totally. Yeah. I'm glad you've seen it because yes. a lot of people are like, what the hell is Tamal <laughs> talking about wolves in a park? Um, but yeah, Yellowstone National Park years ago, they took out all the wolves. They were extinct. And they do this time-lapse photography where they show how the whole ecosystem declines and rivers and streams are drying up, weeds are growing everywhere, foreign predators show up, chasing away the natural existing animals, and the whole ecosystem just starts to collapse. Mm -hmm. And so they decide that the thing that is disrupting the whole ecosystem is the wolves. And everyone's like, well, what are the wolves going to do? They go, everything needs to have its natural order, right? So they introduce a small pack of wolves into Yellowstone National Park, and they do a new time lapse. And all of a sudden... The weeds are gone. The streams are flowing. Everything shows up the way it did 30 years ago. And they talk about how everything has its natural quota or its natural place in the world. And when things are out of balance, the whole thing collapses, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that the wolves were like killing all the foreign predators and stuff. It was just their, you guys have dogs. They mark their territory and other animals are sensitive to that. So animals are like, shit, Mm -hmm. I'm out. Mm -hmm. These things are going to tear Damn my neck off. Right? Here. Yeah. Run! Run! Yeah. I'm Run. out! So, <laughs> Puggles are really frightening. Yeah. All no. the pugs left. Yeah. <laughs> um, Out of here. They I'm were not. destroying the whole ecosystem. Yeah. No, but all the animals that weren't supposed to be there left, and all the natural ones showed up, and they started eating all the weeds. Beavers showed up. They were being scared away by foreign predators and started creating dams as the river sh- started flowing the way they should. Make a long story short... Um, it's a great example of what's going on in our culture today. They say there's not enough food. There's not enough water. Everything's going to collapse. But it's because we human beings have stepped outside of our natural quota. Totally. And that's what Ahimsa is all about. What's in your quota? What are you allotted? And when you take what's allotted to you, everything goes back into balance. The thing that 
is always funny to me is everyone acts like, you know, world hunger and there's not enough water in the world. There's some complicated conundrum, right? But it really isn't. If you really think about it, there's 150 billion animals, 150 billion, not million, billion animals that are consumed every year. And about half are pigs and cow, which are like, you know, 10 normal Huge. human beings, right. which each way, way, eat way more. And we feed them till they're morbidly obese. There's only a little over 7 billion human beings, 7 billion human beings. So if we actually just think about it, how can we feed 150 billion animals till they're morbidly obese, but we can't feed Some 7 billion beings. human beings? One billion is starving. And when it comes down to it, it's not some complicated equation. It only is if there's, you know, if we get political money and yeah. things like that involved yeah. in big corporations. So if we go back into our natural quota and we adopt a plant-based diet, then the whole idea is now there'll be enough food to feed two planet Earths. There'll be enough water to supply two planet Earths. But if everyone eats a meat-based diet, you're going to need two planet Earths. <laughs> so... In the in the yoga plate, you well, both of you write about how like culture gives us this messaging to believe like we're material be- beings mm. in a material world instead of the belief that like you're spiritual be- beings in a material world. And so when you think you're a material building being in a material world, like you just want more and more materials, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe there's no there's nothing more than this. So have whatever you can have. Now And so I, I wonder, because this is something you guys live and you talk about, I'm hoping you guys banter ideas back and forth on this, but how do you guys answer the question between each other of like, why has culture developed this way? Like, why have human beings developed in a way that it's like this consumption mindset instead of developing in, the, in a way that like animals have developed where like, why have we stepped so far outside of our bounce. You guys talk about this? Oh, yeah. This is like my life story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't want to take over the whole podcast because I want Victoria to be able to talk, but... Typical man, right? Oh, gosh, I know. Mansplained. Excuse me. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Go for it, honey. Um, (laughs) If only everybody knew that Victoria runs the show at all our studios and stuff. I'm just like, I'm the the stupid advisor. (laughs) I'm just like, hello, I own the studio. And then she's like, Tamal, do you know how to use my body? I'm like, I've never opened it once. I have no idea what's even there. But let me tell you about material beings in the material world. How do I get inside the mind body? They're like, that's not how it works. Um, the yogis will get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why, why are things evolving the way they are? Um, this comes down to like big philosophical things that come up in the Vedas and things like that. What but are the Vedas? The Vedas, um, well, there is a personality that is accredited to authoring the Vedas named Veda Vyas. And there are almost 5,000 uh books in the Vedas, so you couldn't fill this whole living room, kitchen area, floor to ceiling with them. Um, and the Vedas are basically encompass everything there is to know about life. Veda just means knowledge. Everything of how to make a house out of cow dung to the meaning of life is in there. So there's certain things. Does it come things. from a religious background per se? Or like no, a- because in the Vedas, there's a place in the Srimad Bhagavatam where it says, by this process or any other true process, you can attain enlightenment. 
by this process or any other. Okay, so, so it's, it's not, not saying related this to is, Buddhism or... It's, yeah, okay. it's not saying, like, okay, this is the this one my dogma, religion, yeah. and this is my religion, this is my way, my way is the only way. It's not like that at all. Um, it's very non-denomination, non-sectarian. Um, how, however, there is methodology and things like that to it, attain a certain goal. Just True. like if we're going to do our yoga practice, which is in the Vedas, you start with sun salutations. I'd rarely start a yoga class. Actually, I never start a yoga class saying, all right, Headstand, handstand, everybody. Let's get going. <laughs> you start in I a specific... I just love to start in the splits. Yeah. <laughs> we have a chronology to it. Um, so in yoga, they talk about how um, when we, as souls, come into a material body, into a material world, and the material world is something called Markyaloka, which is a place of anxiety or fear or death, because not to be a Debbie Downer in here, or, we're going to die. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. all going to leave our body. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they say the good news is, is even though the body is temporary, the soul is eternal. But when the soul is in this temporary material body, it has this confusion that I am this body. I don't remember my higher right. self or where I actually come from. And since I don't really fully have faith that I'm going to keep living after this. I'm going to party like it's 1999 every day (laughs) and people are doing it all day long. Um, That's like the short encapsulated um, explanation of it. Uh, How many of you guys are familiar with like... um, Probably no. Maybe actually. (laughs) I know. Unless it's about like LeBron James or something, Uh, probably no. So LeBron James once said. um, We know a lot about LeBron. Kate's really into reincarnation. Let's get my son Kanai. But if you you do want to talk about reincarnation, I am here for that. Which is basically happening. What were you going to ask about? I'm dying to know. Uh, There's a guy named um, uh, Robert Nozick. Nope, Um, still no. Oh, damn it. He has this incredible example, and it's a really cool philosophical idea. Um, It's called the experience machine. So what if I told you that I could plug you into this machine and it felt almost exactly like real life, like you couldn't even tell. You could eat as much as you want, have as much sex as you want, have as much money as you want, have everything you ever wanted at its fullest all the time, whenever you want it, and life would feel perfect in there and you could enjoy it to the fullest extent but you have to agree to be hooked up to this machine for the rest of your life. Would you do it? Like for the rest of your life, meaning like eternally? No, it's or like, like you, you would live in a never, box connected you to die. a machine right. for the rest okay. of your life. You your can never get off. In dies. order for me to plug you into this, you have mm. to agree to being in forever. Would you do it? And when they take polls, most mm. people say no. Yeah. And the question arises, well, why? Yeah. Because isn't that what we're trying to do here? Right. Everyone's trying to enjoy, have as much sex, have as much food, have everything they can at the fullest without negative repercussions, right? Mm. But there, there'll be no negative repercussions. It feels almost like real life. And the reason people say no is because because they know in the back of their mind, it's not real, Hmm. right? It's not real. So they're like, that will always be there. Even though it will feel like real life, it's not real. And because that small little, it's not real, you don't know how that small little, it's not real might blossom in that Mm. world for you, right? It's just unknown of... That might seem good for a week, right? I'm on vacation, but this not knowing that it's real, could that overcome you to the point that it feels like a version of hell? Yeah. So, right? It it's something, something called, like that. Yeah, it becomes yeah. very anxiety-ridden. And so Victoria, it, I need you to talk, too. <laughs> okay. 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 We're, we're, just, we're chilling <laughs> over okay. here. Okay. We're, we're just chilling. chilling. It's okay. Sorry, so this, good. Victoria small, and I are having conversations with our eyes. <laughs> this is a Tamal Kate podcast, okay? You guys go to lunch. <laughs> Do we really feel that way? No, 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 no. no. Okay. Just kidding. No. I blame Tamal. <laughs> yeah, please, please blame me. He likes the tongue. 
Um, <laughs> it's good. But the whole thing with Robert Nozick, and actually there was this really great thing that they did on TED Talks where they expanded upon this idea. It's similar to this idea. What if there was a woman, let's say her name is... Um, Molly. Molly. So Molly is in a relationship with... Steve. Oh, it's such a I'm Steve very white. thing to do. I'm extremely white right <laughs> now. So I'm all like thinking Molly, like rolling, rolling. No. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So Molly, and, Molly Steve. and Steve. Molly is madly in love with Steve. They're engaged to be married. Why has it got to be a straight thing? Steve. <laughs> Steve <laughs> is. Likes men. Yeah. We'll, we'll, add, we'll add that in there as Steve an is sexually fluid, just FYI, but he really so loves Steve Molly. So Steve is telling Molly that he is just equally <laughs> in love with her. And they're in this committed relationship, and they are about to get married. But what Molly doesn't know is that Steve is actually sleeping with her roommate, Tom. Okay. Nice twist. Is it better? Is it better for Molly to continue and get married and stay in this relationship with a guy that actually isn't as committed as he says he is, doesn't love her to the extent that he says he is in, because he's actually madly in love with Tom? Mm Is it better for her to live a life under this illusion that she is happily married to this guy even though he's cheating on her? Mm -hmm. Or is it okay to let her stay that way? Or is it better to say, hey, you know what? You can find better. He's just lying to you. He's actually in this other relationship and he doesn't love you the same. Mm -hmm. What would be better for her to... So it's like this is ignorance bliss question or... Exactly. Or is the truest experience of life in... in, in knowledge truth, and in truth. knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, truth I mean, is what we're all after. I yeah, think right? humans, regardless of whether or not we actually would say it out loud, is that is what we want is truth. Yeah. Right. So when it comes down to this whole analogy is, yeah, it's better that she knows. It's better yeah. for it's going to hurt. It's going to be bad. But she can find somebody better. Yeah. She yeah. can find someone who actually will love them equally. If we're all in committed relationships and it would suck when you're like, oh. They're lying to me this whole time. So you've been with Tom. You've been with Tommy. <laughs> oh, it's Tommy now. Yeah, yeah it's Tommy. Next you level know of him intimacy. Well, it's Tommy. It's Tommy. <laughs> Which we do. And his name was Stevie. Um, <laughs> so, but yes, it's better for them to know. And that's basically what the whole uh, foundational um, introductory philosophy of yoga is all about. Is we think we're this material body. We think this is our reality when we are really a soul, a jiva atma, giving this body life. And the only way to uncover and unplug ourselves from that experience machine sounds like the Matrix. Yes, I like this. That we <laughs> take the blue pill. <laughs> yeah, once we unplug ourselves from this experience machine through spiritual practice and spiritual lifestyle things like following a hymn and things like that, it'll start to bring us to our real, rea- real reality of knowing that I am a humbramasmi. I am spirit. Um, I will not die after this body dies. Um, a lot of these things are going to make you uncomfortable, and that's the thing I love about yoga. Mm-hmm. Everything about it sucks on a material standpoint. Even the yoga poses. I mean, it sucks being in a plank for a long period of time or doing chaturanga. Do I think like eight seconds is really long for a plank. Yeah. That's I, way I too long. We just came from a very plank heavy class. Yeah. So we're feeling very like, triggered by you bringing up plank right now. Yeah. <laughs> or mountain climbers. Air quote oh, uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, okay, I, I gotta I gotta hand it to Victoria for a second because we had lunch about a month ago or something like that and speaking about the Vedas. Mm-hmm. Tamal, you'd be very proud. We talked about the Vedas over lunch. <laughs> we did. And to remind our listeners, the Vedas are the books that could like, fill up this room mm-hmm. with the Vedas were everything truth. that we were just talking about. Okay. I know I'm just knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge. I'm just reminding the viewers who maybe don't know that word just <laughs> as easily. <laughs> but so we were talking listeners. about the Vedas and the thing that really 
stuck with me, and I want you to re-explain it because I don't think, I was trying to explain it to Kate and I couldn't do it in a very cohesive way, was that you said that there's a belief in the Vedas of this idea of reincarnation or that you are spirit and not body, that when you die, that you don't want, that what you think about, and I might be butchering this, but that what you think about is where you go next. Oh, what is so that ideally dearest? when you die, like, don't think about like, oh my God, Ashi, because then I'll turn into Ashi in my next life, <laughs> which, which might not, not be so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's, there's <laughs> a lot of poops effects. in that But life. like when you die, does that mean that you are supposed to think of God or you're supposed yes, to think of exactly. home? Yeah. That's your true home. Right. No, um, looking at Tamal, you're answering this question. Okay, no, answering this question. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I, I, I want to know, you know because I, I was so, well, I yoga was, it really stuck with me. What does yoga mean? To yoke. To yoke or unite. Union. With God. Yeah. So that's your true soulmate. So when you leave your body, your soul leaving your body, that's what we say when we die. Yeah. Um, you want whatever is nearest and dearest to you is where you're going to go. And so you want to be thinking of, so you want to live a yoga lifestyle of reconnecting and rekindling your relationship with God. Um, and, so that at the time of death, you're thinking of God and wanting to go back home. And does that mean two questions? One, mm. so if I, and don't get sad, babe, but if I die and I think about Kate as I'm dying, what does that mean? Does that mean? I don't think we can speculate on exactly yeah. where you're. No, I need go. hard facts. Yeah, okay, we're, so we're speculating. Um, I mean, well, you did the Molly Steve thing, okay? Yeah, right. We're doing the Kate and Catherine thing. <laughs> and 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 then also, does that mean? I'm, I'm like all looking for factual answers. Right. Also, like, where you, do we go when we die? What do, is the meaning of life? You guys go. Well, I think about this a lot. Like, if you do actually have the wherewithal when you're dying to think about God and thinking about going to this hypothetical home, not like home where your bed is, but home, home. Does that mean that we end the cycle of suffering and we get to go back to our spiritual realm? I so Instead of don't want to be the back hog into of the, the dog mic. race. Go. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, he, I learned from him, so <laughs> he, he sometimes is better okay, at okay. As explaining these things. Good question, though, my love. Thank you. Well, let me tell him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys know the story of why um, story. Mahatma Gandhi is called Gandhi? Mahatma Gandhi now? That's embarrassing, but no, I don't. No, it's great. Why he's, yeah. why he's called you know Gandhi? Why he's called Gandhi? I no, no, no. Mahatma his... Gandhi. No, why he's called Mahatma Gandhi. No. I thought that was his name. Yeah. Well, Mahatma means people... great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but he was, his yeah. real name is Gandhi. Do you mean Ben Kingsley? Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, okay. Do you mean the movie where the guy... Everything I know is from Ben Kingsley yeah. in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so where will Ben Kingsley go when he dies? <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so... While Gandhi was alive, people used to call him Mahatma Gandhi, and he hated it. Mahatma means uh, great, and he mean, the, his name translates to great soul. So he said, no, you can't call me a great soul until it is proven that the day that I'm assassinated, I raise my hand and I forgive my assassin, and I die with the names of God on my lips. Could you ever call me a great soul? Because he read the Bhagavad Gita, he read all the um, Pantajali's sutras, and he knew that somebody who was really made yoga the part of their life. Every fiber of their being is living and breathing this lifestyle that when they die, they'll be thinking of God and that's where they'll go. So everyone was told not to call him Mahatma Gandhi anymore, just Gandhiji. So he was called Gandhiji, Gandhiji. Which for, means soul. That's just his name. And then Mahatma means great soul. 
Oh, Maha, I thought Gandhi Maha was Atma. soul and Mahama was great. No. Okay, got it. So Maha means great and Atma means soul. So Maha Atma, great soul. Carry on. So they took the last part <laughs> off. There's Gandhi. Maybe I wasn't clear. Um, no. So it was then user error. He was <laughs> shot and he fell on his back and he raised his hand and he closed his eyes and he said, Ram, 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 and he died. And then after he died, everyone calls him Mahatma it's Gandhi. Crazy. But did he? <sighs> it's crazy. And I'm all like, wait. I'm so cynical, but I'm all like, wait, so he, he actually said in advance of being assassinated when I, you can only call me this. If when I am assassinated, mm-hmm. I do these actions mm-hmm. did how he's a pretty how psychedelic did he predict dude. His death. You mean? Yeah. How did he know he was going to be assassinated and die some other way? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, he could have died of natural causes and never been given that I opportunity. I know, but there's tons of stuff where he's quoted saying that. Yeah. That's crazy. Pretty wild. Okay, can I jump? I have a question. I, I need to ask this question. Okay. Okay. So Victoria and I will smile and nod. No, uh, it's, this is this is this is not for tomorrow necessarily. Okay, this uh, is for you guys. Just put it out into the okay. ether. So, Catherine and I talk a lot about altruism, and I can often be of the position that like altruism is a is a myth. Like true altruism is not possible. In I'm not saying that is true. I just oftentimes feel that way because I feel like there's always some there's always some satisfaction I'm getting like from ego, you know. Or, and I don't yes. think this is like a new concept, right? But you guys in in the yoga play, you have this, and I do believe this that everything in life is about intentions. And then you give the example of like if you're Steve and you live your life Tommy. in service of the poor. But the whole time that you're in service of the poor, it is so that other people will recognize you Mm. as this famous person who gave their life over to the poor and you're lifted up as great. Versus if you're Molly and you live your life in service of the poor for the service of the poor and Mm. not to make Mm. yourself known. known. And I like it's, and this could just be who I am and the way I've lived, but I'm I'm also like, I'm, I'm often like, is that possible? Even if you're Molly and like as much as you possibly can be just in service of the poor, solely for being in service of the poor, isn't there always at some point this, well, I hope people see that I'm in service of the poor. Like, how do you really pull apart altruism and make it 100% true altruism? Is that possible? Go, Vicky. I'm Vicky. <laughs> Wait, go. Oh, Vicky. I was like, is this What's Vicky? It's an inside it's a joke. joke because our son, when he was little, couldn't Biggie pronounce bees. He'd say bees. He was like, Vicky. Vicky. Oh. Vicky, we're going to the beach. Get your bikini. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can answer this question. Yes, you can. I guess you can. Yeah. can. <laughs> She's like, mad at me. Uh, Kate, well, her are, legs are crossed, her arms are crossed. She's basically disappearing in front of me. But hey, I don't want to, well, I don't want, like you know, if you're cool with him answering the questions, I just don't want you guys being to even be like. Yeah, being on a spiritual journey is like, it's a journey. So it takes time, it takes practice um, to understand who you are. And I mean, in the yoga system, there's, there's like regulations um, that you follow to help move you forward on your spiritual path. So to lead you to the truth. Am I making any sense? Yes. Um, So it's not something that just, you know, happens overnight. Yeah, I think she's saying like, you know, you're going to come to yoga not perfect. 
can't assume that you're going to go into living a specific lifestyle. Like, oh, I'm starting it because I'm perfect. My dad, he had a very abusive childhood, and he moved into a yoga ashram when he was 15 years old. And while he was living in this yoga ashram, a bunch of people kept coming in and out to live there. And this one guy came up to the person who was running the ashram, and he said, how come everybody in this ashram is so fucked up? <laughs> and the guy leading the ashram goes, that's like going into a hospital and saying, why is everybody sick? Totally. At least they know they're sick. So even if people are trying to do certain things for this reason or that reason, and they may have some personal motives in there. And in fact, in the Bhagavad Gita, it says there's different people who come to a spiritual path, and most of them are all self-motivated. One is, because I've lost my job, I need money, oh, now I'm going to become religious. <laughs> right? <laughs> then there's some people who are really inquisitive. They're like, have a philosopher's mind. I wonder, is there a God yeah. or not a God? Am I a soul or am I a body? What is it? You know. So they go down these different categories of people that um, come to a spiritual practice. However, um, there's this guy named Frank Jackson. Uh, I like to use this as an analogy for most people in the world, even in the yoga community, are what my father would categorize as an armchair philosopher. I sit at Starbucks and I talk philosophy all day long <laughs> with my man bun. <laughs> Got back from Burning Man last week, took ayahuasca. And this yeah, another type. Oh, ayahuasca, you're going hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that <laughs> description, I like it. That is like right out of central casting. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's like sitting like on a photo shoot, like by a tree with a guitar and long hair. Oh, sh- you yep. Know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wearing a bunch of model jewelry. <laughs> um, but, um, this necklace will make you spiritual (laughs) when it comes to like spiritual practice in general uh frank jackson has this example called mary's room have you heard of this before mary's Mary's room room. no so what if there's this you taking notes and we need to write all this down he's like i'm sure you heard of no we talked about fred jackson (laughs) lebron james ben kingsley (laughs) and queen mary and tommy (laughs) tommy and steve and Um, gandhi let's not forget molly molly does ben kingsley oh yes that's right (laughs) so What if there was this woman, her name is Mary, and she's a color expert. She knows everything there is to know about color. (laughs) She knows how the retina perceives color, how it's registered in the brain. Yet, since she's a color expert, she herself has only ever lived in a black and white room, only read black and white books, and has never seen color herself. But she's a color expert. She knows more about color than any of us. Theoretically, intellectually, metaphorically, she knows all this information about color. Yet one day she's on her black and white computer. (laughs) From from the 70s or something. All of a sudden there's a glitch in the computer and a red apple appears in full color. Does her understanding and knowledge about color change? What would you say? Yes. Because it's experiential now. Absolutely. See, this is the thing. I'm all thing. excited over here. I'm like, the, yeah, like this is what next. it comes down to with the plague of just being an armchair philosopher, never actually having a spiritual practice that you do regularly to have experiential knowledge is we just sit around talking about things. We have mm-hmm. all these books we're reading. We're throwing out that idea, this idea, but we ourselves are not practicing to have experience. It's the same thing as if somebody told you your whole life what an apple tastes like, and then you taste it yourself. All of what you thought an apple tastes like is going to change when you bite into it the flavor, the crispiness, everything else. Somebody tells you what ice cream tastes like, and then one day you eat it. Your understanding is now has mm-hmm. this depth to it. So you could learn how to... Somebody could tell you, oh, read this book on surfing. 
We could talk about surfing all day long. How many have ever surfed before? So you're saying stop thinking, start doing. Exactly. It, this is, it's so funny because this is my life in sports media. Sorry, I'm going to take Go that. Go for it. Only because so much of sports media is just a bunch of people who have only really never played sports. <laughs> just talking, talking about, about them all day long. Right, being like, oh, I know why that happened in the game. And, or I understand the dynamic at play here and assessing it. And then when you go and you talk to the athletes, they're like, what a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, until you're Talking in that moment, how can game. you judge the moment? Exactly. How can you judge the moment when you haven't lived the moment? And I, I feel like you could apply that to so many parts of our culture and life. Absolutely. Where, yeah. Well, we'd love to sit back and critique. So, but it's bringing so, like, the whole thing full circle, part of you know, the food thing is... is um, you want to eat food that's pleasing um, and not harming anything else. So that's this is all part of the yoga lifestyle. And then when you before you eat the food, you can offer the food back to God. And then the whole act becomes a spiritual activity and helps you move forward in your spiritual life. So that is really like our whole um point behind the, the cookbook yeah. is the beginning part so you know why the yoga philosophy, why the diet is the way it is, and how to use it as a tool in your spiritual life. Yeah. Right. You know what's spiritual for me are the brownie balls. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, <laughs> before are. we wrap it they up, are. it's very important. <laughs> I want to know from Tamal and Victoria, which, if you had to pick one recipe, what was the one, what's your favorite? I'm assuming that maybe you don't have the same one, and why? So people can go directly to the page right now and make it I tonight. I mean, honestly, I like the sweet and salty balls. Which we have some in the kitchen. Yes. Have you had them before? Nope. Oh, you should go get okay. them. Okay. They're so good. I can't wait because that's oh, it's, it's like a cousin it's of cashew. the brownie ball. Yes. It's cashew, dates, chocolate chips, and sea salt. Is this like mm. the raw cookie dough ball? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm. Exactly. What? Um, I'll pick something more savory. Um, I like the Tokyo Soba salad that's in there just because also the dressing it's this miso ginger dressing that you can put on so many other things soba so does that mean it is a non-hot dish yeah i like to keep it cool but she actually when i I make it it she likes she's like don't cool it too much let it be slightly warm i know i like my noodles to have have a little bit of heat i get kind of like or they keep cooking and then they become mushy okay wait do you not like anything hot because we learned earlier that you don't no i like a lot of things okay so some you eat some some like it yes Well, we can kind of ask the favorite cookie question, right? Is there a cookie in the recipe? And I don't mean balls. I mean cookie. A ball does not qualify as a cookie, Mm -hmm. even if it's a raw cookie dough ball. There's a cookie recipe in the book. There's a couple, right? There's a couple. In general, my favorite cookie is just a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Perfect. What's your favorite cookie? Preach. I like oatmeal chocolate chip cookie. Oh, look at it. Coming more to my side of the... Um, I, I mean, like I'm an oatmeal raisin. I feel like we all just raisin. crisscrossed in the perfect Would you way? have What's oat yours? milk with your oatmeal? I'm definitely chocolate chip oh, chocolate 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 chocolate. Yeah. I would have oatmeal in the morning and then... <laughs> with raisins. With raisins, Overnight oats. And the, I mean, I just love me some oats. Yeah. And then with oat milk. You should hang out with Kanai. Talk sports and eat oatmeal. Oh my gosh. favorite thing. He loves oatmeal. And he loves LeBron James. <laughs> there we go. All right, so book is out September 24th. 24th. What was the drop date? And if you don't have it right now in your hands, because we're not sure exactly what day we're releasing this, it, well, you'll know because you're listening to it. Buy it. Get it. Put it in your library. Use it. Message us. We'll put up our favorite recipe on Instagram so you can take a look at what we are making. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. We're going to turn this off and just go eat a bunch of treats in the yes. kitchen. Yes. Yes. Treats, 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 <laughs> treats, 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 treats. Get it, girl. 
That is little panty wads with the rap session. <laughs> that's a callback for us to an earlier episode. You guys don't worry about it. Little panty wads in the house. Oh, not sweaty. Sweet and salty balls. All right, we out. And that'll do it for free cookies. So please go check out their book. You can find it on Amazon and hopefully wherever books are sold, if it is not already sold out. At your independent bookstore. And you need to go make the brownie balls now. Yes, the brownie balls are. In fact, we were just eating a, a rendition of the brownie balls right before we recorded this. You can email us at freecookiespodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at freecookiespodcast. Our producer is Lindsay Collins, the amazing host of F&B Radio. And if you didn't catch it yet, we were actually on her show. And Lindsay, what was the name of the episode? The best episode ever. Oh, yeah. Beauty Get Radio. It? Fagan and Beauty Radio. FNB. Oh, I was just going to leave them trying to figure it out. Oh. And on it, Lindsay asks us the question, when do you feel love? Which is a very poignant, powerful question. And on that note, because this is the end of the podcast, we give away the $10,000. Bye.